This morning we're going to look at a passage of scripture in Luke chapter 15. And this is one of Jesus' parables where he goes through and he teaches a sequence of parables. And they all kind of have a similar message. But this parable is special. This parable is special because Jesus, we also know, and later in John chapter 10, he says, I am the shepherd. I am the great shepherd. Peter calls him the chief shepherd of our souls. And we're going to read today this parable of the lost sheep, which I know uh, many of us uh, have heard most likely. Uh, but today I hope that uh, you will read it in a different light as the Lord has opened my eyes to see. In Luke chapter 15, and we're going to read these first two verses, although they're not really part of the parable, but they do lead into the parable. And now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. This is an important statement to mark the beginning of Jesus' parable here, because Pharisees, religious people, were grumbling about it. They were complaining about it. The fact that Jesus is eating with sinners. Not only is he eating with them, but he welcomes them. And so this is then what gives way to this parable. And it's so important that we understand that. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep, and losing one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Recently, I was watching a video of these, uh, they were like veterinarians and some other uh, that were coming alongside. And they had found, they had heard of this uh, sheep that had got stuck somewhere. And they don't really know how the sheep ended up by itself, but the sheep had ended up by itself, and it had an overgrowth of, fur, of the wool on its back. And it had grown so much, and it had got so matted from all of the dirt and filth of just being all by itself and no one taking care of it, that it had got to the place where it could no longer live, or no, no longer move. And its, life, its livelihood, the sheep's livelihood, was brought into question. And many had discounted and said, this sheep is not going to make it. It's such in bad condition just from the lack of care that has been given here. And it's been left all alone. And they thought, how is this sheep going to make it? But these group of people, they had a heart for, for rescues. And they went after this sheep. And they brought the sheep very carefully. The sheep could not walk or move. They put him on a stretcher. They brought him back to a barn where then... They began to try to get him water. He was so dehydrated because he couldn't even move to get water. And as they began to give him water, he began to seem to come back a little bit more and move a little bit more. And so then from they brought him, they brought him home early in that morning. And then all day, late into the night, they began working on removing that wool coat that was on his back that was so matted in dirt and filth and all the just nastiness of life. And they began to shave it off. An amazing thing happened. That as they began to care for that sheep, that sheep, guess what it did? It stood up on its feet. 
It stood up on its feet, and not only that, but as they began to spend time with him, he came back to life. He became playful and happy again. And once again, they went after that one sheep who was lost and began to care for it, and once again brought it back to life. And that's really the story of how Jesus describes you and I. We're like that sheep stuck in our own mire and filth and disgust and sin. And there is one Lord, one Savior, who says like a shepherd willing to leave the 99, he went after the one to find them, to care for them, to love them, you and I, so that we might have life. This morning I want to talk to you, and I'm calling this today, one by one, one by one. And I'm calling this one by one because I want you to see here that in the great scope of eternity, in the great scope of humanity, there have been who knows how many people born across the earth over the history of time, billions upon billions, billions upon billions. You look up in the sky and how many stars do you see? Billions upon billions. But yet even though there are so many of us there are so many people just now on the earth. It's crazy to think about the amount of people alone living in Virginia. There's about six to eight million people living in Virginia alone just to try to comprehend that amount of people. But yet we serve a Lord who loves us one by one, who knows us name by name, who calls us to live greatly for him purpose by purpose. It would be one thing if we served a God who just said, okay, all of my people, here you are, come and serve me, worship me. And yes, there are moments like that, but we also serve the God who says, but even you, I know exactly how many hairs are on your head. I know your name. I know your thoughts. I know everything there is to know about you. And yet I still love you. Sometimes we lose perspective of this in church ministry and in Western Christianity. We often get caught up on gatherings and mega churches and big places where there's all this emphasis upon numbers and growth and all of these things. But yet we forget the fact that God is the God who loves us one by one. Just as much as 5,000 people are special to Jesus, there is one who is special to him. You and I. And if God is willing to leave the 99 and go after one, then it should be a principle that you and I embrace in our hearts as we go about our day-to-day -day life, as we understand what it means to find the one, to live in such a way that we are loving the one. You know, those veterinarians I was telling you about, they could have left that sheep to die. They didn't have any interest in that. There, there, there was no benefit to them in that, rescuing that sheep. As a matter of fact, they thought they, the sheep was going to die. But yet they did it out of compassion. They did it out of love. They did it because they thought there was hope. There is still life available. And in this great picture of the world that you and I live in, you and I have been called to love one by one, to love our neighbor, Jesus said one by one, to love each other one by one, to know name after name, to never discredit any person as we talked some week, weeks ago, but that we embrace every person with the love of Jesus because even Jesus was willing to go after one. 
And sometimes I find it helpful when we're talking about a principle that Jesus teaches to look at a real story where it happened. And this morning, I want to invite you to go with me to Acts chapter 8, and I'm going to tell you the story about Philip. And I'm going to kind of summarize because the story is a little long, but I encourage you to read it sometime. The amazing thing about Jesus is, is that oftentimes he taught a principle. But the amazing thing is that when God's Spirit came and filled the church, that principle came to life. And that principle of the parable of the lost sheep was no longer just a parable. It was the day-to-day ministry of the early church. And Jesus stood up in John chapter 10 and he said this verse. And I I pray today that you and I may all grasp this verse so deep down in our heart today. May it just get really deep in our soul. May we leave Monday going to work thinking about this verse. May we lay down at bed thinking about this verse. And the verse is this in John chapter 10 verse 16. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must, Jesus says, bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. I want you to hear the urgency of Jesus as we get ready to look at the story of Philip. I must bring them, Jesus says. There's not a choice if I can just leave them and let them be in their sin. Jesus says, no, I must bring them. I have other sheep. They're out there in the world. They're not here in this fold yet, but I'm going to go. You're going to go. And we must bring them that they may know that Jesus is, as he says, the way, the truth, and the life. And so here is Philip. Philip is an evangelist. Philip's been doing great works for the Lord. He's been called by God to go to these towns and preach the gospel. And he's been preaching the gospel. And amazing things have been happening. He's seen people begin to come to him. Not just people. Whole towns begin to come to him. He's preaching the gospel in Samaria. And this whole place begins to run to Jesus. Begin to repent and come to the Lord. And he's experiencing what you and I might call a revival. This This mass turning of people one by one to the Lord giving all that they have to Jesus and God is doing marvelous things there in that place wouldn't that be exciting to be a part of you're in a place and all these people are just surrendering their hearts to the Lord one by one it's so it's so awesome what is happening in there in that place that word gets back to Jerusalem and they send Peter and John to also go and examine this you've got to come check this out there is a revival happening in this town I mean people are coming to Jesus in groves you just would not believe it so Peter and John go and check it out And as they go and they're preaching there and they're experiencing the great work of God and rejoicing, something happens to Philip that is unusual. It's strange. It's different. Here he was experiencing the wonders of God. I mean, imagine the best church service you've ever been a part of in your life times a thousand, all these people. I mean, just an amazing thing. But then the next thing Philip knows is an angel shows up to him. First off, that would kind of get your attention pretty quick anyways if an angel showed up. But an angel showed up to him. He looked at Philip and he said these words to him. Get up and go to the south road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. Now listen, if you're Philip, and you've been a part of the best church service you've ever been a part of your life, the best move of God you've ever been a part of your life, and an angel says, now I want you to go down into the wilderness, that seems kind of discouraging. 
That seems kind of bothersome in a way. Lord, why are you taking me away from here? Isn't great things happening here? Aren't wonderful things happening here in this place? Isn't God at work in this place? But the angel says, get up and go. And listen, when the Lord says, get up and go, we better get up and go. And so what did Philip do? He got up and he went. And the Bible says this just incredible thing. And, and sometimes, you know, I've, I've read the Bible over the years, and I, I kind of forget the... The, the, there is not this coincidence of things happening. It's purpose that is happening. And it just so happened to be that on that road was the person in charge of all of the money for the queen of the Ethiopians. Now listen, here's Philip. He's an evangelist. He's been kind of shunned by society. And now he stumbles upon somebody of great prestige and power and wealth and is in charge of the entire treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. He has great pull. He has great power. And he's able to speak and advise someone else who also has even greater power. It's not by coincidence that the Lord sent him down a wilderness road to end up on this place so that he would encounter this Ethiopian eunuch, this person of power and prestige. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship. I want you to catch this. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship. But apparently he did not find what he was looking for in Jerusalem. Isn't that sad? It was supposed to be the religious Mecca, the place where God is supposed to be known in all the earth. But this eunuch came all the way to Jerusalem worshiping, and he couldn't find what he was looking for. So now he, here he is. Some reason he's decided to pull off on the side of the road in the wilderness, which probably wasn't too smart on his part, being of all the power and money that he had. But he did it anyways, and he was seated in his chariot. And the Bible says that he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, something else I want you to catch about this is that people did not just walk around with scrolls of Isaiah. This was not something like you and I, we can just go to our local bookstore and take down the Bible and read it. No, this man, he had power. He had money. He had apparently gone to Jerusalem and was able to obtain one of these scrolls. And here he is in the wilderness, sitting by himself. He has this thing wide open. You talk about an open door. That was an open door. And there's Philip. And the Bible says to him these words. It's not a, it doesn't, he doesn't say, go say to him. He doesn't say, talk to him. He says, go over to this chariot and join it. Go over to this chariot and join it. And so the Bible says that Philip ran up to it. I love Philip's enthusiasm. Philip isn't one to just slothfully answer the, obedient, the commands of the Lord. Philip does it with urgency. Get up and go. Yes, Lord, I'm going. Go over and join this chariot. I'm running over to it. Yes, Lord, why am I here? What am I supposed to do? There's a sense of urgency in what Philip's doing. There's a sense of I've got to do something right now because you're saying go. And so he asked him. He noticed. He heard him actually reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, you have to think about this for a moment. This, this is amazing to me. Here's Philip. He's been in the best revival of his life. He's sent in a wilderness. There is nobody out here. And out of all of the things in the world that he could walk up his ear to hear in the middle of the wilderness, it was the prophet Isaiah saying, for he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes, we were healed. Isn't that an amazing thing? Philip stumbles upon this. And so Philip, out of knowing what he's, this guy's reading, he says to him, do you understand what you are reading? Now listen, 
Philip's talking to somebody of power and prestige. That could have been an insult. That could have rubbed this guy the wrong way. He could have just had him arrested and bound right there in that place. And watch what he says. He says, how can I unless someone guides me? How can I unless someone guides me? Remember the words of Jesus? I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also. In the world that you and I are living in, God has called us to reach our world one by one. Loving people one by one. Preaching the gospel one by one. Sharing life one by one. And the greatest part that cut me to the heart was this, about this as I read this here today, or recently as I read this, was how can I unless someone guides me? Oh, how that just, as a, as a pastor, as someone who has given their call to the work of the Lord, how that just, that just hurt me. It made me go, Lord, how many other people are sitting around in our world that are saying, how can I? I'm trying to find Jesus. I'm trying to experience life, but I don't understand. I need someone to come along and explain it to me. How can I? And so this is the beginnings of the parable of the lost sheep in action. And a few things I want to show you about here in the story of Philip and the, the eunuch and the parable of the lost sheep. Number one, they had to be willing to leave the 99. They had to be willing to leave the 99. Leaving the 99 is not something that is easy, especially in our day and age. In this day and age, it could have meant, well, I don't know exactly what's going to happen to the other sheep. We don't know. Jesus doesn't say there's another shepherd. It could have been a hired hand. We don't know. But he apparently entrusted some type of safety to them that he was willing to leave them and go after one. And if you're going to leave the 99 and go after the one, the one has to be just as important to you as the 99. If one person is not as valuable to you as the 99, then you will discount and discredit the, the one altogether and say, why? What's the point? It's just one. But that's not how the kingdom of God thinks. The kingdom of God thinks one by one, person by person, human by human. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And so what are we in our day and age willing to leave the comfort? Willing to leave the place of revival. Willing to leave the place of ease like Philip had it after preaching the gospel. People coming to the Lord and willing to go and embrace the heart of Jesus that says, Yes, Lord, I'm willing to go even if it's just one. I have other sheep that don't belong to this fold. I must bring them also. The heart of Jesus in our world today is that very verse. That there are people who do not belong to him. There are people who are not a part of his flock, who are not a part of his fold. But yet Jesus' heart is that they would become a part of his fold. That they would become a part of his flock. And now you and I have therefore been empowered and sent into the earth one by one to reach one by one. That all may come to know Jesus. That there might be one flock and one shepherd who is Jesus. Leaving the 99 means that we have to be willing to say, yes, Lord, even if you're calling me to go down what seems like a wilderness road, I will go. 
Yes, Lord, even if it means that I'm going away from the place that I know, even if I'm leaving my friends and all of my family. Listen, the Bible says this. Those who have left their mother, brother, or father, or sister in the kingdom of God, they will not be forgotten. There will be a reward for them. And Jesus here is admonishing them that are you willing, in a sort of way, in a way of speaking to them about the days to come as I go back and read this. You and I have the privilege to go back and read Luke in light of Acts. And it's amazing to me, it's almost as if Jesus was saying to them, there are going to be days that are going to come. Jerusalem's going to be great and wonderful. You're going to be surrounded by people that you're willing to love and go and be around. But what about the other places of the earth? Are you willing to go? What about stopping your car when you're driving down the road when the Lord says, talk to that person? And you say, Lord, but I'm, I don't know. I can't do that. There's a willingness to say, Lord, I'm going to leave the 99 and go after the one. What about when you're going in the grocery store and you are comfortable in your own grocery shopping cart? You're going down the aisle, speeding down the aisles of Walmart. You almost bumped into somebody else coming out of the other aisle as the Lord's talking to you and goes, says, talk to that person. But Lord, I don't want to. I don't want to leave my place of comfort, my place of ease and go talk to the one. But the Lord is just saying, please go talk to them. Please go encourage them, whatever it might be. But you're saying, no, no, Lord. But is, are we willing to say even then, yes, Lord. I'm willing to leave the 99 to go after the one. What about in the places where it's not easy? Where our life is a mess, when things are not going easy in our world. We have chaos and trouble and anxiety going through. We're going through times of suffering. But even in the middle of that, the Lord might say to you, call that person. Encourage them today. Is there a willingness in us to say, yes, Lord, I will go. I will be willing to go down the wilderness road. I'll be willing to climb over hill, mountain, and valley to find the one if that's what you've called me to do. There has to be in us that desire to say, Lord, it's not comfortable. It's not easy. But if you are the Lord of my life saying yes to you, it's not a problem. It's easy for me. Because I love you, because I want to obey you, because I want to live my life for you. I'll just say yes, because the Lord says, I must bring them also. The second thing you'll note about the parable of the lost sheep is that when he finds it, he has a little party by himself. He rejoices. He rejoices. He celebrates. Wouldn't you be? You had climbed over hill, mountain, through creeks and rivers and all this craziness. You'd fought off lions, tigers, and bears going after the one. And you find that sheep and he rejoices. And the, watch the next thing the Bible says that he does is he lays it on his shoulder. He lays it on his shoulder. Sometimes loving people can be hard. Put it for a, a lack of better words. It can be difficult. It can be challenging. Sometimes it can feel like a weight. Sometimes it can feel like a burden. And this shepherd knew that if this sheep is going to make it back home, I've got to carry him. Otherwise, he'll wander off by himself. Even after all this effort I've gone after to get him, I've got to put him on my shoulder and take him home, all the way home, all the way back. And isn't that what Jesus did for you and I? The Bible says, going back to that scroll in Isaiah 53, that the Lord laid the iniquities of us all on, the, on him. Isn't that what Jesus did as he laid his life upon a cross? One by one, he thought about you when all of that burden was being placed on his shoulder. It was as if he was carrying you back to the Father, to a place of wholeness and health and healing in Jesus' name. 
This is what Philip had to do. As he went down that wilderness road and he encountered this Ethiopian eunuch, the question was, how can I? How can I understand? How can I unless someone guides me? How can I understand Jesus? How can I understand like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb silent before it's here? How can I understand that unless someone tells me? And the guy just plainly asked him, he says, is this, is this talking about a prophet or who is this talking about? And Philip was able to say, it's talking about Jesus. And you know what happened? That guy surrendered his life to the Lord. The Bible goes on to say not only did he surrender his life, but he was baptized. Here's the man in charge of all this power, prestige, and money, and he had found the richest thing and ever the richest person, and more than wealth, more than accumulation of possessions, he had discovered it all in the middle of a desert, walking back home from Jerusalem with disappointment and fear, knowing that he had found it all. But it started with this, how can I unless someone guides me? I wonder in our lives today how many people are just asking of us, how can I understand unless someone guides me? Who will tell the gospel? Peter says it this way, how will they hear without a preacher? How will they hear unless someone tells them? Preaching the word of God is not just the responsibility of me. I enjoy it. I love it. But preaching the word of God has to happen in our world today more than ever before. More from a, not from a place of a pulpit, but in homes, in stores, in places that this pulpit will never go. In places that nobody would willing to open up their door to me, but they'll open up their door to you. And you can say to them, how can you understand? Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me speak to you about Jesus. And you'll discover that the amazing thing that happens is, is that you begin to take upon the weight of them, carrying them to Jesus, helping them get to Jesus, bringing them along. Well, let me just pray with you. No, I don't want you to pray with me. You come back again. Can I pray with you this time? Okay, maybe I'll let you pray with me. Let me just tell you. Can I talk to you? No, I don't want to hear what you have to say. You come back a few weeks later. Let me just talk to you. And you'll discover that that process of loving people, that God rewards that. That God honors that. Jesus did that for you and I. He called the disciples to do that. To go to places that were resistant to the gospel. But keep going. Don't you give up. Listen, you're not welcome in Jerusalem. You're going to be persecuted for my sake. But keep preaching the gospel. Don't you stop. Don't you give up. Because when we love Jesus, sharing about him isn't something that's hard. It's a joy. How could you keep the greatest thing that you love inside shut up forever? You just want to spill it out to the world. You just want to tell all the world about it. Because it comes out of a place of love. One by one. Jesus says it, shows it to us one by one. Philip went down a road one by one. It's believed that from this one conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch that the whole nation became to the Lord. It's believed that God used Philip in this story right here to reach that whole nation. Isn't that a miraculous thing? You just never know who you're going to talk to. You never know what God's going to do with that person. Just because someone looks like a sinner, you haven't seen them transformed. Just because someone looks difficult and challenging, you haven't seen God's best work done yet. It could be that surprise you and blow you away. Eye has not heard, ear, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. It's just being willing to go. And finally, I want to leave you with this. The Bible says this. He says uh, in Luke chapter 15, talking about this sheep, 
Rejoice with me. As he tells his friends and neighbors, he calls his friends and neighbors together. He says, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And Jesus says these words, and look, these are, these are great words here. He says, just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. I've read that verse thousands of times. Who knows how many times I've read it? Only the Lord knows. I've read that verse so many times, but man, did it hit me in a new way this time. As I began to understand, I began to think about, Lord, what do you mean more joy in heaven? What does that mean? There's going to be more joy in heaven. And I began to think about the things that you and I, we value on this earth that are important to us. And we have joy in those things. But sometimes understanding the work that happens in the heart is difficult because we can't see it with our eyes. And so heaven sees it. And when heaven grabs a hold of that work, heaven begins to rejoice greatly with great joy. What was just one sinner coming to repentance causes a multitude in heaven to rejoice. Now, we've often have this kind of mentality in our Christian world that heaven is kind of up there, we're down here, the two are kind of separate. But here is one way that confirms to you and I that heaven is affected by the work of the church on the earth. That when people come to know Jesus, heaven shouts and celebrates above us and we don't even know it. And what an amazing thought to me as I begin to think about the work that happens in here. And you and I, we may never know the celebrations that were happening as we begin to love people one by one. But heaven all along was applauding and clapping and saying, thank you, Jesus. We've been waiting. We've been longing for that person come to the Lord. And listen, you may never hear a hand clap in your life. You may never hear a pat on your back. But when you stand before heaven, one day you're going to rejoice as well. When someone else comes to the Lord, you're going to become a part of that great celebration. And then all of that work, all of that labor, listen, you're going to understand, oh, it was not in vain. Heaven was rejoicing like crazy, and I'm just grateful to be a part of it even now. Isn't it an amazing thing that you and I, this shows us that there is a heavenly reality that is affected by our earthly ministry. Right now today, in this service, across churches across the world, people coming to know the Lord, heaven is rejoicing. Heaven is celebrating as the musicians come. And it is the joy of heaven. There's more joy in heaven. And listen, if it's joyous in heaven, and it's causing heaven to be excited, then you and I should get excited about it. One by one, person by person. Just that person that just seems like they're so difficult, one by one. And now I want to leave you with this. As Philip was going down that road, the Bible says that eunuch, he went on his way rejoicing too. I left that out. I think about one by one, and I think about the work that you and I do, and I think about the work of Jesus one by one. That I thought about, I began to go back and think about my life. And think about the moment I came to the Lord. And I thought, Lord, oh man, who am I that you were mindful to think about me? That day that I came to the Lord. The day that I surrendered my life to Jesus. And maybe you kind of reflect upon that as well. Who was I that God was mindful of me? 
billions and billions and billions of people. But he called me by name. He said, Charlie, I love you. He looked at you and said, I love you. And it was reminded me of Jesus, that even in Jesus' place of great suffering, as he hung upon the cross, nails were in his hands. He had been crucified. His nails were in his feet. And there he was bearing the weight of his body upon a cross. One by one was Jesus' mindset. Jesus could have said, oh, forget them, I'm out of here. No, but he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And one guy who spoke up as he was being crucified beside him, beside Jesus on the cross, looked over at Jesus and said, Lord, remember me today when you come into your kingdom. And you know what Jesus said? Remember, I have many sheep that belong to this fold. I must bring them also. And he says, this day you will be with me. You, you thief, you, the one who's done all the crime in your life, you who's hanging here on a cross with me, you will be with me in paradise. Listen, the heart of Jesus is this. He loves you one by one. He loves you so much so that over the past 2,000 years, He's called people to go to nations. He's called people to go to churches. He uprooted me from California when thinking that's where I was supposed to be and said, no, go back to Virginia. And so that I could tell you today that He loves you. All of that work is not by coincidence. It's done on purpose. God aligns it by purpose because the heart of Jesus is this, that all may know Him that all might believe the work of God is this, that all might believe even you today, even you, my friend, who walked in here thinking I'm just in church for another service, one by one, he's after you. He loves you. He cherishes you. He wants you in his kingdom. He wants you to be a part of his flock. And so therefore, he has sent us all. And now the question is, who is willing to leave the 99 and say, Lord, when you say, go down a wilderness road, I'm not going to question you. I'm just going to go because the heart of Jesus. I have other sheep that I must bring. Them I will bring also. Will you stand with me? Every eye closed this morning. This morning, you need Jesus in your life. It doesn't matter what you've gone through, what you've been through, what you've wound up in. Listen, Jesus didn't stop that thief on the cross and said, now let me just examine for a moment all the bad things you've done. Jesus responds to the person who calls upon him. And that thief called upon him on the cross and Jesus responded instantly, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And if you need Jesus in your life today, whatever it is, can I just encourage you? Call his name, Jesus. I need you. You say to me, Charlie, I've never been to church in my life. This is my first time in church. I've never heard the gospel. I've never heard anybody tell me Jesus loves me. That's okay. You just begin to call his name. You will learn the greatest joy you've ever learned. That is that Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you so that you might know him and he might know you. He created you for this moment so that you might know He loves you. Just call His name today. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you in my life. Lord, I'm sorry. I want you today. I know you love me. You know my name. 
You don't look at me and call me by my formal name. You call me by the name I prefer. You call me by exactly who I am. You know me. Them I also will bring, Jesus says, and they will hear my voice. Listen to his voice calling today. Listen to him calling to you. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves you. for the rest of us this morning if that's you this morning you need Jesus just come stand here at the front just come this morning just come no shame just come and if the rest of us who are here today you're willing to go you're willing to leave the 99 and go after the one just come this morning as an act of surrender and standing before the Lord to say yes Lord I'm going to give my life to you years ago I had to answer the call and I had to tell the Lord, yes, Lord, I'm willing to go, I'm willing to save, and I'm willing to do whatever you've called me to do. And day by day, you and I, we have to answer that call. Are we willing to leave the 99? One by one, that family member that's away from the Lord, the Lord knows them by name. He loves them. You might be the only person to ever tell them, Jesus loves you. Come on, just come this morning. You need Jesus today. You're willing to say to the Lord, God, if I, it's a wilderness road, I'll go. If it's driving down the road and you tell me, stop my car, go talk to him. Yes, Lord, I'll go. One by one, Jesus, we give our lives to you. And if you need Jesus this morning, just call him. And the rest of us here this morning, you're willing to go. In your own way, tell him how you're willing. Just answer the call to him personally this morning. He loves you. He knows you, created you with all of your gifts. Maybe you need to tell him, Lord, my gifts belong to you. My identity belongs to you. All that I have, Lord, my finances belong to you. All that I have, Lord, I give it to you. Just begin to tell him. Lay it at his feet. Lord, I'm yours today. I'm yours, Jesus. I'm yours, Lord. Just tell him this morning. As Jeff comes, we're going to sing today. And the rest of us, let's all pray this morning.